Mare Opame. We've spoken of this place before. A territory by the sea, maintaining an optimal vegetation and minimum wage. Tall trees and concrete sidewalks collide with thick, grainy sand. It is cloudy here, but not quite raining, no. Misting, perhaps. Terra is from here. The Interterritorial Profit Convention was here. And we are here now. In the elected Chiefdess's Hall, Chiefdess Juno sits at her desk. This hall is a smaller affair than Lyoth Hall in Vallis, though the offices here in Mare Opame are infinitely larger. She's currently accompanied by the residential prophet of Mare Opame, Gildo. Beard still long, hat still blue. He sits across from her now, knees bouncing, notebook out, eyes surveying her office. She doesn't like it when folks survey her office. It feels intimate and unprofessional. If she wished to offer you clues into her personal life and style, she would. She's thinking this now as their third party arrives. They are clad in a mask that looks vaguely and metaphorically like a turtle's shell. Ah, 9.30 on the dot. Hierophant? This hierophant of Mare Opame casually slides off their mask and sets it on the table. We see green eyes, a fluff of black hair. Apologies! My clock was set a minute back. Oh, no worries, no worries. How did we all sleep? Oh, good! Fantastically. Oh, that's great to hear. And what about you, Chiefess? I slept serenely. What excellent rest. (laughs) Oh, you are too kind. You are too kind. All right. How are things under your jurisdiction? Hierophant, you first. Things are coming along. As you know, we've had a bit of an ordeal with recent events. The Guardianship is implementing a new patrol schedule downtown due to an increase of theft and petty crimes, but nothing else. A thank you to Gil for aiding in the discernment of an unfortunate... um, Homicide charge via a witness's dreams. Oh, no trouble at all, Hierophant. I'm simply glad we got that folk squared away. I did find it strange, their blatant denial, but... And of course, a thank you to you, Chiefess, for a quick trial period. Of course, safety is of the utmost importance. Uh, Temple is on track... Though volunteer numbers have been down, so we've been lifting the divine obscurance laws ever so slightly and have officially implemented a monetary incentive. Intriguing. Yes. What of you, Chiefess? Oh, things are coming along. Of course, we know that Chieftain Lyoth of Vallis will be circling in this afternoon for our interterritorial one-on-one meeting tomorrow. Chieftain. Lyoth's partner, you mean? Uh, Luciana? No, it says here Logan Lyoth. A surprise, I am aware. How is he? I've heard some rumors. Which are not our job to discuss. But his health has been failing him, I know that much. Tragic. I saw weather reports that Vallis is undergoing a storm. Do you think that'll hinder them? 
I certainly hope not. Scheduling with the Lyaths is a nightmare. What's your verdict on that bill I was thinking of scooting along? Oh, I did give that a look-see. Go for it. I trust your judgment. Oh, I agree. I agree. Oh, good. I will go ahead and finish up the paperwork for that. Gil, how are profit things? Ah, profiteering. My prophetic inquiry box has been fairly light these past few weeks. I attribute that, of course, simply to the common drop we see after Prophet Day week. The folks are doing well. Aside from, of course, that one rare incident we've already discussed. Tragic. But glad to help, glad to help. How were you able to figure out the suspect? Oh, simple. They were the one doing the murdering in the dream. Oh. Oh, thank you, thank you. All right. Are we settled? Oh, I believe so. Another great meeting for the books. One thing. Oh. Oh. Nothing too important, but Gil. I've been looking through our records, and it turns out that you are vastly overdue for your sabbatical. Am I? Haven't been keeping track. You should take it, this coming solace. Oh. Why? Where is this coming from? Nowhere. You've simply been in service for 40 years. We in the community respect your need for a break every now and then. Ha! A break. I'm hardly working. Hierophant, what do you say? Uh, I'm in favor. A short rest from the work, it seems, is always a good idea. But if Gil is not in favor, then what's the use, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) All right, then. So we are met? Ah, we are. We are indeed. Well, I have consults to tend to, so I apologize for my zealous exit. Oh, no need. No need. No worries at all. Uh, Hierophant, I had a question about event scheduling, if you have a moment. Oh. All right. Bye. 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 What event are we scheduling? I've been receiving complaints. About me? No. It's about Gil. Oh. Just upon Gil's advisory, the folks are getting a little discontented with his approach. Oh, uh, I don't really think that's our business. No. I really think it ought to be. The territory is in unrest. The whole of it? Just about. Excessive. What about? His methods. His demeanor. I thought he came off rather soft. That's the issue. He hasn't been offering advice, they feel. What has he been offering, then? The chief disopens her very official work laptop. Well, I've gotten multiple, mainly anonymous, complaints. Vaughn states he's serving mere confirmation bias. Folks send prophetic complaints to you? The chief does? Many say they've also reached out to you. 
Yes, well, many also don't know how to spell hierophant correctly, so many of our emails fall through. Well, we've been receiving a lot, and Vaughn's in particular stood out to me. He operated as Gil's personal assistant for a two-year contract, and abruptly moved out of the role. He apparently saw a lot more going on than we have, and states several instances of Gil... How did he put it? The chief just scrolls through the document. Ah, quote, Putting a positive spin on issues that didn't warrant it, leading folks into a false sense of security, and offering a bandage when they asked for a solution. End quote. Eloquent wording. And concerning. If he is just now coming forward with this information, two years after the fact, there's no telling how many folks have been negatively impacted by this lack of... Oh, what's the word? Completion? Perhaps, or... Trust. Hmm. Shall we write Vaughn back? <laughs> no, no. It is not our place to make statements on Gildo's behalf. Ah, yes, that makes sense. Exactly. However, I was speculating that we should send someone in for a prophetic inquiry. Do a little test run, see what we can find out. A spy? You'd like to set a mole on Gildo? No. <laughs> no. That sounds so... morally ambiguous when you put it that way. This is to help our prophet before it is too late. Do you have any volunteers up for the task, perhaps? For the right price? Yes, since it would be overtime. Get on it, then. If you have time today, of course. Oh, it's a lighter schedule. I can squeeze it in. And what of you, Chiefess? Chieftain Lyeth arrives in a few hours. I shall prepare the table for him. Them? Luciana is attending as well. Hmm. Yes. I find it odd. I would never bring my partner to a chieftain meeting. Where's the work-life balance of that? I do believe the Lyeths treat the chieftain as more of a livelihood. A career. Hmm. This tracks, I suppose. Valis is a whole different game. Doesn't their priestess also adhere more harshly to the divine obscurance? Yes. Reports say even the prophetess and chief don't know her identity. Hmm. Folks in the same position can still be so different from one another. How are society reports in regards to their prophet? I haven't heard that much, but mainly good things. I took a glance at their statistics the other day, and their inquiry satisfaction rate is overall on the up and up. What is she doing that Gil isn't? That is the question. Perhaps I can discern that bit of information out of Logan tomorrow afternoon. Like a spy? No. More like... Any good politician. Today is the day. I should be more specific. Today is the day that Ellie has been anticipating. The day that her application told her that she would hear back. Which application was that, Ellie? F you! Excuse me? Oh, sorry. FACTA University. FACTA means actions. It's based off an old phrase. Facta non verba. Acts, not words. And their programs really truly reflect that. It's amazing! Your first year, you get to shadow and interview key members in an assigned territory. It's got circles to places I haven't even heard of. And yes, the initials are FU, but I can personally be a grown-up about it, so... FU. That sounds so exciting! Yeah, I'm... Ugh. 
course she had always imagined the biggest day of her life thus far to be temperate, with the sun sprinkling through gaps in the clouds. Well enough weather to wear a flouncy celebration dress. But instead, she gets ready for the day alongside the audacious crackles of... Sky temper. Anything but temperate. The rain is heavy, thick, incredible, and ongoing streams that pour over the roofs and pavements of Vallis. Oh, this is abnormal. Even for here. Meanwhile, near the mouth of Lyoth Hall, dressed well for an off day, Logan and Luciana are putting on their rain cloaks. Got everything? Yes. Computer? Yes. Eating chart? Yes. Did you brush your teeth? Low. What? It's just a physical. Oh, it hasn't been just a physical since you were 37. Okay, well... Logan! And he does. Luciana hears the radio speak and sees the radio float, but only Logan can see Onyx drift closer and Scratch had a zap of static on their head before touching their hand to the radio dial. Today, the weather is expecting a pretty severe storm out here. The gusts up to 85 miles an hour. Oh, wow. When is that for? Let me find... It's 10.45. Shit, the train leaves in 15. It can't be that bad of a storm if we still have... Ooh, the lights have gone out. In pure darkness, Luciana stands, only the dark gray of the sky shedding some contrast. Logan is lowlit by Onyx still. You jinxed it. That is on me. Yeah. Shit. Thank you for telling us, Onyx. Would you go check on Ellie? Ellie, friend! Ellie, friend! Onyx drifts up the stairs. How many folks do you think are going to be displaced because of this? A lot. I don't have time for this. Hmm. Tell the sky that louder. I'm sure it cares. Okay. Where's Agnes? As if summoned by this power outage, Agnes emerges at the top of the stairs. You both okay? Yes. Agnes, can you look into what it would take to make this place shelter ready? We have no communication at all, and we're kind of out of the way of everyone. I mean, if anyone wants in, I can let them in? <sighs> I guess so. Ah, well, we tried. And across territory, in the woods close to the Chapel of Living Things, but not quite within eyesight of it, we see a camping tent. It's a sturdy tent, with enough square footage for a comfortable sleep and lounging, and it's rain-resistant. Rain-resistant, not rain-proof, its resident has quickly found out. Sage, traveling prophet, awakens to an infrequent dripping of water. What? A small rip in the scene, it seems. The tent shifts, smacking them in the side as they sit up. They stick their hand into the nylon walls. Great! Just great they! Something taps on the door flaps. At first, Sage assumes a branch had been blown in by the storm. But no, it is repetitive. In three steady hits. A knock, almost. A bashful knock of an acquaintance. Sage pokes their head out and directs their eyes to a figure towering above. An official-looking jumpsuit hangs off of their body, the same forest green color as their rain cloak, absolutely just thrashing in the wind. A cast engulfs their left leg. Their arms are crossed. Hey, uh, do you have a camper's license? What? Oh, am I not allowed to set up camp here? I mean, not many do. So, to be in 
entirely honest, I'm not too sure. But uh, this tent really isn't up to Valis code for camping. What brand is this? Uh... Let me guess. Water resistant? Yeah. I see the error I've made. <sighs> Shit. Look, I'm not gonna write you up for being here. I don't really know what your whole situation is, and I think it's rude to ask. Curiosity is welcome here. I'm uh, a traveling prophet. Oh. Wow. Cool. Does the prophetess know you're here? No, not yet. I've been getting my bearings, but I was planning on finding her today, actually. Wind picks one of the tent pikes out of the ground, uprooting half of the tent. Sage's weight is the only thing holding it down. You really shouldn't be out here, especially in that. We've received a storm warning right before this signal went fuzzy. It's gonna be a big one. I've traveled to the very edges of our world map. I will endure. All right. Do you uh, know how close this address is? Sage unpockets the paper Agnes had given them. Vita looks it over. The prophetess's office? Yeah, uh, about a mile or so away in Middletown. Excellent. I'll get going then. In this? Well... He exits the tent, which promptly floats away, stopped only by a nearby tree. Better than in that. Guardian Vita waves a goodbye and stalks back into the redwoods. Sage yanks his tent from the tree bark, balls it up, and packs it away in their backpack. Then, the traveling prophet travels, barely deterred by the raging of the wind or the piercing prickles of the rain, sandaled toes drenched by the squelch of the red grass beneath slowly becoming numb from the chill that is settling into the air. Sage tightens the hood of their cloak around their face and fortifies their steps with their staff. And they walk. And walk. And walk. He circles around puddles when the road becomes concrete, seeing very few cars pass by. He ducks for cover when they can under the roofs of budding Middletown. The storm picks up around them. Raindrops become tiny beads of ice, first fluttering down, then beginning to hail now, as Sage finally comes across a small business space, mushed in between two restaurants. A shoddy sign above reads, Prophetess. Do you want to bet money that I'm in the right place? <laughs> no. Both because I am certain you are correct, and I don't have any. Ha! <laughs> well, me neither. It's all good. Yeah, but you don't have insurance co-pays. Insurance co-pays? Yeah. It's like, you could be paying $1,000 to get a broken foot looked at, but if you pay a company $50 a month, you'd only have to pay like $30 for the broken foot. What? Why are you paying for a broken foot? Yield fucking question. If you're the one who broke your foot, you'd need accessibility aids, time off, the sorts. They should be paying you. If only, Sage. If only. Sage opens the door to the prophetess's office and finds a short folk with curly brown hair and two shades of tan peppered about their body. They are typing furiously away at a laptop. They look up a note Sage, first with confusion, then resignation. Hello, hello. We're not accepting walk-ins. Tara? Oh no, I'm Dylan, Tara's personal assistant. Well, technically its official title is Prophet's personal assistant, so I'm a PPA. PPA? I love that. I have a question about that, actually, because didn't this position used to be titled Wise Woman? Yep. Tara didn't like the connotations. That was a little outdated. So she just changed it? <laughs> Incredible. 
Yeah, she's literally so neat. But why choose prophetess? Oh, because the wise woman thing? No, I mean over prophet. It's an overtly gendered phrase. Prophetess takes the power away from the word. Oh, um, Tara doesn't really think so, I think? She said it accurately represents her. Like at the moment, that's all. Ah. What? Nothing. I just wanted to understand, and I didn't know how to end that part of the conversation. I realize I've made it awkward instead. I have no intent to fight you on it. Just pursuing knowledge. Is she here? No, she's out of the office this morning, and she would typically be here in the afternoon, but with the storm and lack of service, I don't think coming in would be safe for anyone. Out where? Oh, she's working on an art commission at UV with Will Elias. Sage stares at Dylan, digesting these words. A moment too long. What is the commission? Uh, it has yet to be announced to the general uh, public, so... Yes. Yes, of course. Well, I, I just wanted to introduce myself, seeing as we'll be functioning in the same place for a little while. My phone isn't working. Oh yeah, it's Imbar and solar panels go kind of into a power saving mode, so most technology doesn't operate super well. The cell service is awful except for like two places, Lyoth Hall and the Causeway. The Causeway? Uh, it's about a two hours drive, a little town that's part of the territory. Oh wow, <laughs> this phallus is large. <laughs> yeah, I could take a message for Tara though. Thank you, but I'd like to see her in action. University of Alice? Where is that? Oh, I'll grab you a little map here. Dylan sips through a bin. Excellent. Sage lights up, desperately pining for their phone, and the call drops as they lift it to their ear. All right. Um, well, thank you for your help, Dylan. I'll walk over there now. Oh, I don't know if that's a great idea. Oh? Why is that? Uh, storm warning? The wind and thunder get pretty wild here. It'd be much safer to be in a place with four walls and a roof. <laughs> I am a traveler, and I have seen many storms before this one. Yeah, well, Valis ones can get a little feisty, so... I believe you. I'll keep that in mind. Goodbye, Dylan. Bye. Uh, who are you? Sage, traveling prophet. Huh. I don't think Tara's gonna like that. And... The power goes out. Well, I don't like that. At the University of Alice, void of students both because there is no university happening at the moment, and also because the storm has already picked up some steam, Tara and Mikhail have pulled another late day working. Now they sit back, admiring a fully sculpted left side of the green lore. Without the green. Okay, this really put us back on the original timeline. Thanks for staying. I really appreciate the help. I appreciate the change of pace. However, I am so tired now. I think I'm going to head out if we're at a good stopping point. We are, yeah, but are you sure? It's a long walk and it's vile outside. You can nap here if you want. Well, that's very kind of you. But... But I have appointments in a couple hours. Ah. Uh, Boo-hoo. Tara and Mikhail together appraise this third sculpture before Mikhail dives into some drawers and withdraws a large plastic tarp. Could you grab the other end? Oh, yeah. They carefully launch the tarp over the sculpture, taking care to avoid messing with the shape of the clay. 
Wow. Three down, zero to go. <laughs> Not quite. We still have glazing, firing, details. I'd call this about halfway there. Wow. Two and a half down, half to go. I think we're on our way to being done in a few weeks. Oh, yay. Like, done done? Yep. I mean, there's the whole bronze plating process, but you can't really help with that. Oh. So, no more sculpty time with Mikhail, huh? I guess. Kind of sad. Wow. <laughs> right? Like, I've gotten to see you. I mean, I've seen you, like, three times a week for hours, and it's been fun. Me too. It has been fun. Well, that's because you're fun. <laughs> well, that's just because you are. <laughs> <laughs> they are looking at one another. We could, I guess, find something else to uh, do? Yes. Yeah? I uh, mean, like, what if you join CNC with Willow and all of us? Or I could um, audit a class? Oh, Okay, uh, yeah. Yeah. It'll it'll be like nothing has changed. That's that's good. Right? Yep. Yes. Right? Right like is that good for me also? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Great. They are not looking at one another. Well. Bye. Tara, uh, wait. Tara opens the door an inch. Rainwater compiled at the sloped step gushes into the space. Oh, what? Oh, shoot. The clay. Close it. Close it. Mikhail slams himself against the door, latching it back in place. Water eeps towards the clay mount. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Towels, Tara. Towels. Tara scrambles across the room for towels, casting them to the floor and shoving them against the bottom of the door. Mikhail presses his face against the square window. Ah, oh, the storm drain is plugged. By what? I don't know. It's very underwater. Well, can we unplug it? Not without opening the door. Is there another door? Nope. This is an incredible violation of safety code. Well, it is a studio art building, so... Tara thinks about calling for help using her phone, which of course doesn't have any bars because it is a storm during Imbar. All she can do is play words with folks offline. Mikhail looks out the window facing the lawn. I'm personally okay with a little water getting in. If we want to go, I'll run super fast. Uh... Plan. You open the door, shut it right after me. Well... I'll dislodge the drain pipe. We wait a few seconds. Then it should be good for you to follow. I think I'm going to wait out the storm here. What? Why? I haven't seen it bad like this since I was a kid, and we both walked here. Well, I have places to be today. I think a lot of folks do. Yeah, but I'm a prophet. I can't just miss my appointments. You can go if you want. I'm just saying it's bad, like... Like, bad, bad. I've seen rain before, so I'm pretty sure I'll be fine. A connected flash of lightning cracks across the sky, striking something far up on a hill. Wind causing everything to slant sideways. Leaves, no, branches, fly through the courtyard of the University of Alice. The window shakes, rattling in its casing, and the rain is thick, tangible globs that pile up and pool over the grass, flooding the sidewalks. I think we should stay inside. Just one more time. I'm just gonna try it. On her way to open the door again, Tara kicks something in the shallow puddle by the door. It is firm and stubs her toe a little. Ow. She stoops to pick the offender up. It's a clear ball, the size of a baseball. What is this? Hail. This? Yeah, have you never seen hail? I have, just not big enough to- Oh, 
A campus tree has fallen. Kill you. The wind, the scattering of branches, the hail is bigger now, so large. She sees it has chipped away at the clay shingle roof of a building close by. And yes, the fallen tree! It lopped over a sidewalk to their visual right. And Tara watches this. She watches the storm churn. She lived on the ocean. It's not like she does not witness storms, but this one, this one is big. And Tara feels small. The weight of her smallness closes her gaping mouth. It is as though the wind is ripping through the window panes and roaring into her ears and out her nostrils, filled with voices whispering nonsense about ego death. Tara feels a rise in her chest, a tingle of tightness that spreads like a wildfire through the nerves at her fingertips. These twitch slightly, and she looks at Mikhail. Mikhail looks out the window, eyes wide. He appears a step below, afraid. Cautious? No, worried. Are we gonna be safe here? I'm sure of it. Has this happened before? A few times, yeah. Do you think it's a bad idea for me to try and leave? A bit, yeah. Okay. Okay, shit. Tara takes a seat at one of the student tables, and she stands back up. I'm gonna try to nap over there. Okay, uh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'll be over here. Let's take a break. This season of Average Folks is sponsored by Escape Space Games Tualatin. Located just off of Tualatin Sherwood Road, Escape Space Games hosts six different escape rooms, each with their own unique themes and puzzles. Gather your friends and family for exciting adventures like the Toy Museum Heist. Rumors say that the owner of Randy's Toy Museum has acquired some sort of secret artifact not on display to the public, and it's up to you to find it. Or work together to solve the mysteries of castaways, where you must face a series of physical and mental challenges in the style of a certain tropical TV game show in order to keep your spot on the island. Visit the magic garden of the Beanstalk, where the gardener is getting antsy and looking for a successor. Do you have what it takes to discover the secrets of the garden? Explore your senses with the Tualatin Valley Room, where you'll need your sense of touch, smell, sound, and sight in order to escape in time. Stage a prison break in cell block, where you and your team must first escape their own cells and then make your joint escape. Or get cozy with Tuta Tango, a two-person room with a mystery to solve about these two particular dancers. Adults play for $30, and kids under 12 play for $25. Escape Space Games is open Friday evenings, all day Saturday, and Sunday afternoon. Weekday plays are available by appointment. Visit escapespacegames.com or call 503-610-2394 to book your room today. Well, let's get back to it. And back in Lyoth Hall, all lights are out save for one candle held up by one Ellie Lyoth. She has re-emerged from her room after spending an hour or two watching for the post folk out her window, unsuccessfully. She finds the hall void of life. She wanders the second floor hallway now, double taking shadows. The house is dark. So, so dark. Only a dull dark gray drills in through the windows, the light weakly reflecting off of the rain and ice slamming against the panes. Hello? Mm, no response. Of course. 
Ellie is alone during the storm. Typical Lyoth family move, she thinks, leaving her alone in the largest establishment in Vallis to wallow in the very real possibility that the male folk may not come today. Wait, what? No, they... would they not be? I mean, are you going out on a day like this? I didn't even think about it. What if I can't get my letter today? Tomorrow is on the horizon. But... Ah. A flood of blue light cascades through the darkness. Onyx emerges from the offices, bashfully poking their head out before slowly making their way towards Ellie. Ellie is bathed in cool light and can see the dull shapes of furniture and doorways around them now. She blows out her candle. Onyx! Hi! Ellie! It is dark. Yes, there is a big storm. Big storm? Bad? For some, yes. And not find Logan. That is a way. He won't be back until... Well, great day, I guess, until the storm is over. When? When will the storm be over? Soon, I think. Think? Yeah, I mean, I can't, like, know. Does anyone know? It's the weather. You can't, really. Oh. Is anyone else here? Do you know? No. No. Ellie? Hello? Agnes comes carefully down the stairs, holding a flashlight. She sees Ellie, but not Onyx, nor their cool blue light. However, the floating radio does give things away. Agnes! Oh, thank they. I was worried I'd be stuck all alone. (laughs) You're not. Onyx and I are here. Hello. Hey. I can't believe the power's out completely. I'm a little worried about it not coming back on after this whole thing is done. Yeah. Wait, do you think that's possible? With this family's energy conservation skills? Perhaps. We can make this fun, right? We have the library and we have, like, coloring and food. Yeah, all the basic necessities. (laughs) This might actually be fun. Hello? Ellie? Eller appears from the kitchen doors. He holds a sandwich. He looks at Ellie. He does not see Onyx, but he does see Agnes. He looks back at Ellie. Power's out. Oh, yeah? In Middletown, the open market district is harshly deserted. Outdoor stands have been stripped and emptied by shop owners. Things have been tied down and tarped wherever they could. A majority of shops and businesses are dark and empty inside, too. Most folks have deemed it unsafe, and rightfully so, save for a soft, small handful of warm yellow lights in the windows. One of these is Tara's office, where Dylan sits peacefully working now, and the other is on the mend. Ovia and Dune sit at separate workstations. Dune hand sews some embroidery on a cloak. Ovia works the sewing machine for a dress. Wow, they really weren't kidding. Would you like to try to get home now? Before it kicks up? Nah, I don't trust my car in this. And there's always stuff to do anyways, so... I'm chillin'. Huh. Yes, an organizing day does sound... divine, actually. <gasps> the sample fabrics! We can arrange the sample fabrics. If you keep talking like that, I'm going to threaten you with a promotion. Oh. (laughs) Nice. 
Ovia smiles, simply delighted that she's kept an employee for a whole year. An increasingly difficult task. And, as she pauses from her work on the machine to admire the growing storm outside, she takes a thankful moment for four walls, a roof. She briefly wonders about the folks without that, and makes a mental note for the priestess to remedy the natural carnage best she can. And in this state, she sees someone out the window. A dollop of a bright blue rain cloak floats about outside. Ovia watches it scuttle around to and from windows and message boards like a fly. What is that folk doing out right now? Hmm? Dune looks. But then he looks again, harder. Oh, what the fuck? I know them. Charged with purpose and confusion, Dune yanks open the door to on the mend, immediately pelted with rain and hail. Willow! What you doing? The wind's howls overpower his voice. Oh. He throws on his rain cloak and powers through the cold and wet, crossing the street to his distressed friend, frantically holding a paper to the message board. Willow? Down! What are you doing out right now? Well, I need to mark it! What better place than the open market? <laughs> now, though? Well, I don't want to do it when a bunch of folks are around. What if someone tries to talk to me, huh? True. True. They tape a poster to one of the billboards beside the town square fountain. It quickly begins to crinkle under the moisture in the air. Oh! Marketing is impossible! <sighs> right? I can't even delegate tasks because I have no money. Right? Look, uh, did you hear the broadcast? Yeah, big storm. Yeah, but this doesn't seem too bad. Oh, Willow, you really shouldn't have said that. Right as they do, hail the size of a golf ball bounces off Dune's shoulder. Oh! GT, are you okay? Ow! Another grazes Willow's nose. Ice cold pain rips through their face. They look up to the sky, then immediately throw their hands up to protect their face as many more follow. Giant lumps of ice pelt Dune and Willow as they fortify their rain cloaks. Get inside! Did you find- oh, hello. Blue hair. It takes Ovia a moment to place them. Now they are a nebulous presence in her memory. She knows them. Oh, but from where? Hey! Uh, sorry. Can I crash here for like an hour? Or however long it takes for it to stop doing that. Uh, sure, yeah. Cloak hanger, it's over there. This folk looks at Ovia, long and hard. And Ovia recalls that she doesn't know this one, but the priestess sure does. A co-worker in the guardianship, or should she say an ex-co-worker? Hi, uh, Ovia, right? Yep. With what is your name? Oh, I'm Willow. Thank you for uh letting me in. This place rocks. Thanks. You're a friend of Dunes? Yes, they're the bestest. And you're the bestest. Together, this is the bestest. Oh, bees, the bestest bestest. Well, I picked the right place to strand myself. Oh, shit, wait, are you working? Is this okay? Yeah, sure, of course. Stay as long as you need. 
Is there anything I can uh, do to be useful? Oh. Um... Willow earnestly and eagerly awaits instruction, and Ovia feels a hint of remorse for removing such a hopeful helper from the Guardians. Yeah. You can help June with sorting sample fabrics. I'll be over in a few minutes. Sample fabrics? Totes! They're fabrics? We use as samples? Correct. Dune laughs. He clearly likes that his friend is here. One of his friends, at least. This thought entices him to glimpse out the window once more, eyes settling across the way into the left, where the light to the prophetess's office is still on. He can see the shadowy silhouette of Dylan typing away unbothered, not looking back or up. Not once. And, though there are very few cars on the road right now, there are some. Specifically the workers who either can't risk a day off, no matter the cost, or folks who just kind of don't give a fuck. Rourke O. Murphy is one of the latter. He drives carefully down the street now, blasting tunes from a CD that is way past the current music trend. He's just gotten off work, it seems. And as he drives by the outer edge of the open market, he sees a figure hunkered down under an awning that is dangerously close to pooling over. Rourke rolls his old hatchback car to a stop and cracks open the door, hoisting his cloak over his head to deter the hail. Howdy, friend. Weather's got you cornered. The figure lifts their face, and Sage, surprised, acknowledges his visitor. Yes, I believe I've been momentarily bested. That staff, for you a visiting prophet? Oh, yes. Traveling prophet is the correct term, but semantics. Right, traveling. I've read so much about the different prophet cycles, and here I am, jumbling up the information. <laughs> the work, however, is appreciated. My name is Sage. What is yours? Rourke. What is your trade, Rourke? I've never seen this attire. Oh, I'm just a salt miner. This is our hazard-safe jumpsuit. Just? You are doing important work. Salt is the backbone of Valis trade. I suppose, yes. My, what a day you've chosen to travel. I was just thinking that myself. This weather, do you reckon it'll lighten up anytime soon? Well, if I know anything about Valis storms, it's that they don't really care what plans you have for the day. The emergency broadcast said the hail is just going to get worse. Ah. Are you near your homestay? I have not yet acquired a homestay. I'm camping out in the southeast redwoods. Oh, that is not ideal for this weather. No, even before the hail, it was very, very wet. May I offer you shelter, at least until things quiet down? I'm headed home. I can cook up a meal for us. I accept. From the depths of my heart, I can only offer my gratitude in exchange for your kindness. I'm a words of affirmation guy, so this works well. Rourke offers a hand to Sage, and Sage takes it. Hello, Dragon Fruits. I'm Hope Bellinger, director and producer of Average Folks. Thank you for listening to this episode. Script and sound design by Elise Bradford. Mixing by Hope Bellinger. Original music by Liam Greenlee. New actors in order of appearance. Gabrielle Brinkman as Ellie and Cecily. Hannah Strawn as Grant board member. Elizabeth Herbert as Onyx. Lauren Herman as Ovia. Finn Burris as Carlisle. 
M. Johnson as Gwenda, Travis Cox as UV Admin 1, Caleb Kirkovold as UV Admin 2, William English III as Eller, Araya Glancy as the Green Lore, Cole Neeland as John P., Rachel Routh as Catherine Q. and Willow, Jonathan Billington as Rourke. To learn more about Average Folks, follow us on Instagram at Average Folks Official or visit us at our website, average-folks.com.